It's funny how things come full circle. I have to share this. So this afternoon, I'm getting ready. I'm coming, getting ready to come to our 2 o'clock service. I have a 6-year-old son. And I remember as a kid growing up, the Christmas Eve service, I remember as a kid asking my dad, okay, dad, what's the service going to look like uh, tonight? And then it would usually come with a question, are you preaching? And then unfortunately, he would say yes to me on Christmas Eve. And then I would say, well, how long are you preaching? And I remember that as a kid thinking to myself, okay, man, this Christmas Eve, like, dad, you've preached all month of December. You ain't got to preach again on Christmas Eve. We've heard the Christmas. And so today I'm getting ready. My six-year-old son says, hey, dad, we're going to church tonight. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, uh, are you preaching? <laughs> and it's like flashbacks, right? And so I remember my dad having fun with me. And so I, I felt that as a father that now it's my right to now do this with my, and I said, yeah, Tristan, you know, we're going to actually do a whole study of the book of Luke tonight at our Christmas Eve. And we're going to spend about an hour and a half really breaking down the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of a sudden he coughs and he says, I'm not feeling so well. So I, <laughs> I got a little heath on my hands right there. But we thank you for being a part of this. Uh, again, just a great opportunity that we can gather with our families and, and our friends to celebrate truly uh, the meaning of Christmas, to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray that you hear that tonight through the songs that are sung. I pray that you hear that tonight even just through some of the verses that we read, the personal aspect of what we celebrate at Christmas, not just some broad stroke of the brush, hey, Merry Christmas, but the personal aspect of Christmas, that Christmas is a personal story to each and every one of us. And what's amazing about it, again, is so many times you find the announcement of Christmas or even the reminder of Christmas all throughout God's Word in some of the darkest times. For the last three weeks, we've been walking through this series, His Story, and, and we've been walking through really all the way back from the, the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, uh, many would say it's the first Christmas verse. There in the Garden of Eden, you'll recognize chapter 3 is the fall of man. Sin, sin enters into humanity, and in that moment, God provided hope. In a place where he could have right away provided judgment, he provided hope. And we find Genesis 3.15 there, and I'll put in between, between you and the woman as he's speaking to the serpent and between your seed and her seed, a direct reference to the virgin birth. He shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. There in the Garden of Eden, a promise was made. And as we've been walking through, you know, these last couple of weeks, kind of the, the, the story, his story, history, right, looking at kind of the timeline of Christmas, you see that, that from the moment it was announced there in the Garden of Eden, it was something that God continued to remind his people of, that I've made a promise, and as God, I cannot break a promise. And I pray you even hear that tonight, that as you're walking through this Christmas season, I know it can be a very difficult time. And there are many that hold on to a promise, right? There are promises that are given to us in God's word. Sometimes the timing of that promise, we, wanna, we want that promise now, but we know God's timing is perfect. And you see that in the Christmas story, a promise that God gave right there in the darkest of times. He provides hope in the Garden of Eden. 700 years before his birth, right? We looked at this just a couple of weeks ago. The prophet Isaiah, in speaking to King Ahaz, as an encouragement to this king and to his people, gives this prophecy 700 years before the birth of Christ. Therefore, the Lord shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive her seed and bear a son and shall call his name, say it with me, Emmanuel, God with us. You come to John, right in the gospel of John. As he's writing, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He's reminding us that what we celebrate at Christmas is not the beginning of Jesus. It's the physical beginning of Jesus. But we understand that what we celebrate at Christmas is the birth of our eternal God who entered into his own creation for you and I. And what you find in the story of Christmas is it's really on the backdrop of the greatest problem we have, the problem of our sins. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you believe that, say amen. Amen? Here's my running joke right here. If you didn't say amen, you just lied. And if you've been perfect all the way up until this point, you're now in it with us, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's consequences to that. For the wages of sin is death. But it's the bad news that points us to the good news. And listen, Christmas is good news. Why? Because it's the promise fulfilled that God declared in the garden. That there will come a day a Savior, a Redeemer, a Messiah, the Anointed One, sent to save. And you find that phrase there even in Luke, Christ the Lord, Christos Curios, not just another prophet, not just another king, not just another priest, God himself, our creator God, who would come into his own creation for us. I pray tonight that even as you hear the Christmas story, you know, again, as As a kid, even reflecting back to my upbringing, it's a story I've heard many times, and we talked about this on Sunday. If we're not careful, we can lose kind of the allness of this. But I pray you just hear hear it personally this afternoon, the story of Christmas of a God who came to you. Very familiar passage, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all in the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governed Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David. Prophecy after prophecy, as we see verse after verse. It's almost like checking box after checking the box, as we see as Luke is explaining, just in his birth. Verse 5, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now while they were there in the same country, shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over flight by night, over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, hope, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, Christos Curios, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It's a story we've heard so many times before. And sometimes if we're not careful, right, we can kind of glamorize the entire story, right? We see it in the plays and we see it on the cards, but you have to understand the backdrop in which Christmas took place, right? It was dark times in the life of God's people, 400 years of silence. And in the darkest of times, God did his greatest of work. This past week, I was speaking to a lady in our church who lost her husband this past February. And she was sharing with me, she was saying, you know, there's been a lot of firsts, Pastor, over this past year. She said, but you know what, I'm really struggling, especially as I approach this week, to celebrate my first Christmas without my husband, who she was married to for 45 years. 
And she said, but you know what? I have hope and I have encouragement and, and that brought joy to my heart. But then what she said next was this. She said, because I know that God will not give me more than I can handle. And I said, well, ma'am, can I push back on you a little bit with that? I said, you know, I'd heard that for so many years. I sat out there in those seats for so many years and heard pastors make that statement. And I remember sitting out there thinking to myself, there must be something wrong with me because this is way too big for me. This is way too much for me to handle. And I remember going to not only my father, but another pastor friend of mine who has forgotten more memory verses than I've ever learned, to be quite honest with you. And I said, brother, I'm struggling with this. As we opened God's word, he said, you will not find it nowhere in scripture. Matter of fact, what you're going to find is the exact opposite. You're going to find that God brings us to a place that is way bigger than we are for the point of us recognizing that we must fall on our hands and knees and say, Lord, I trust you with this, not in my strength, but in yours. Can I get an amen? amen? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, we believe that verse, but it's not in and of ourselves. As we began to talk about you know, what she was saying, I said, you know, I think about Mary and Joseph. You know, it's a story that we've heard many times before, but put yourself in their shoes. I'm sure they were thinking to themselves, this is way bigger than what we could have ever imagined. We're just simply trying to start a family. And now here is God wrecking our plans and bringing us to a place where the question must be, will we display faith? And the God who has promised, who is over all of this. And as we see the Christmas story, I pray you see that. I pray that you see a loving God, a God of comfort, a God of grace, a God of mercy, but a God who is involved. A God who is in control. That in whatever chaos you may have walked in with tonight, guess what? You're not the first person to be surrounded by chaos. But the question is, in that moment, can you come to a place of faith? of, Lord, I trust you. And as I approach this Christmas, I see it in a new way. Not just the celebration because it falls on the calendar, but hope delivered. A promise made in the Garden of Eden in the darkest of times, a promise made 700 years before his birth through the prophet Isaiah in the darkest of times, and even 2,000 years ago in a little town of Bethlehem in the darkest of times, man, you fulfilled the greatest of promises. And so, Lord, I will wait upon you. I will trust in you. And so I pray tonight, first and foremost, you see and hear the personal aspect of the story of Christmas. And then beyond that, I pray that you see in your own life the same God that orchestrated every detail. And again, not with robots, free will of men, but his sovereignty, moving each part to a place where his will would be done. And I pray tonight that the God of comfort and the God of grace is the one that you see as we celebrate Christmas. This verse, man, Hebrews 4, we've read it now a couple of weeks as we've walked through this series of his story. I want to read it for you again tonight, and I pray that you see the Christmas message in this story. Hebrews 4.14 says this, See in them that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. It's Christmas. The eternal God who had no beginning passing through the heavens to have a beginning physically speaking because it was the only way it could be. Any attempt we make to get to God, you know what it's called? It's called religion. It's man-made attempt to get to God. 
What we celebrate at Christmas is not a religion. What we celebrate at Christmas is the gospel, the good news. It is God's step towards us. This Jesus who passed through the heavens. So let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest. What did you walk in with tonight? Maybe no one else even knows. I'll tell you someone who does. Who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. This Jesus is the one that we celebrate here at Christmas. Amen? I'm going to ask you right where you are just to bow your heads as we go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you tonight, Lord, with our families, Lord, with our friends, Lord, as we gather with a body of believers, we thank you for the story of Christmas because we know that it's Christmas that leads us to Easter, that without his birth, we could not get to his death and resurrection. And Lord, we believe by faith that our hope is found in the one who came and lived and died and rose again, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for a promise fulfilled all the way there in Genesis 3. In the darkest of times, you made a declaration that there would be one who would come of the seed of a woman, and there would be victory through his birth. And Lord, as we gather around the gospel accounts, Lord, we read of that promise. We read of this Jesus, the Savior, anointed by God, sent to this world to die. And so, Lord, as we gather, we celebrate salvation, forgiveness, and the promise of eternal life. We thank you, Lord, that as we rest in your promises, Lord, as we rest in your presence, Lord, that it's not just the future that we look forward to in the now. You walk with us, you lead us, you guide us, and you have promised to never leave us nor forsake us. For those who this may be a very difficult time, Lord, may they feel your presence in a way like never before. May your grace be unique and sufficient in a way that there would be no denying their communion with you. We give you praise for the promise fulfilled in Christ and the hope that comes by faith and the one that we celebrate at Christmas. We thank you for our families. We thank you for our friends. We thank you most of all for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, and all of God's people said, amen. I want to invite you to stand as we once again worship together as we celebrate Christmas. God bless you. Have a wonderful night with your families. <laughs>